I want to start this morning with two passages. I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9, and I want to read verses 35 through 38. And then I'll tell you the other one after that. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Jesus went, he had compassion, and he spoke. I want you to think about that. We have that on one hand, and now I want you to flip over to 1 Peter chapter 4. I'm sorry, 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. And I want you to see the contrast here. First Peter chapter 5, beginning in verse 8. I love to hear those pages turning. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of suffering. And so on one hand, Jesus sends us out, and he says the harvest is plentiful, and the workers are few. And then on the other hand, he says through Peter, but you better be careful, because your enemy, which is not each other, okay, your enemy, the devil, what does he do, church? He prowls around looking for someone to devour. Guess who that someone is? That someone is me. That someone is you. You are the object of what he's after. But yet, on the other hand, God, who created us, has promised us that he will always be with us. Isn't that comforting to know? And as we've just sung about, one day, all the heartaches, all the sorrows, all the tears, all of that will be swallowed up. It'll be gone. And as we've just sung, what a glorious day that will be. At that moment, the battle will be over. And in the meantime, the battle continues between God and Satan. And if you go back to Matthew chapter 9, 
from verse 35, we see that Jesus not only had a distinct message, the good news of the kingdom, but he also had a distinct ministry, which illustrated that message in healing every disease and sickness. Think about it. Jesus had a message. Jesus had a ministry. You and I have a message. Message delivered to us from God. We also have a ministry to continue what Jesus has set out before us. You see, everything Jesus did supported everything that he said. What he said was this, the kingdom of God is at hand. In other words, that the rule and the reign of God had come into this world in fierce opposition to the ruler of this world and that he was the anointed one to set apart, to destroy the ultimate power of this world, which is Satan and sin and death. And so you know all those good stories that we read in the Gospels? about Jesus walking on the water, him calming the storms, him taking just a little bit of food and multiplying it to a lot and feeding a lot of people, him setting the oppressed free, healing the sick. And I want you to think right now of those other miracle stories that Jesus told. You know, they're not just a story that we read and think, ah, That's pretty neat. When we see those stories and when we read that, we see Jesus himself displaying mighty power and ministry that none other had ever seen. I mean, they couldn't touch it. That's why a lot of people, when they came face to face with it, they didn't know what to do with it. Some said, I want to know more about this man, and others said, I'm out of here. And they left. Where do you and I fit in to that? I don't know about you, but I want to soak up and I want to know more and more about Jesus. I want to be like him more every day. I want to talk like him more. I want to speak like him. I want to act like him. I want to react like him more than the other we see a battle going on between god and satan and so jesus's proclamation of the kingdom meaning that god had come to restore his rule and his reign man it was like swinging a baseball bat in the face of satan who had from the time of the fall set up what i want to call this morning this counterfeit kingdom with humankind as its subject. Okay, that's us. And so I want you to turn over to another gospel, to Mark's gospel, and I want you to look down in chapter 1 as he begins, and you're going to see that the battle line is drawn in Mark's gospel right from the beginning. I mean, right after Jesus is baptized in the river Jordan, he's sent out into the desert to do battle with Satan, And after 40 days without food and water, Jesus made his point 
and he meant business. And from that point on, man, there was a battle going on. There was a battle that God proved to us from the very beginning of time that no matter what Satan may throw our way, in the end, God says, I'm going to have the final word. I'm going to win this battle. You and I, as Christian people, we need to be reminded of that. That the things we go through here on this earth, they're serious. But you know what, church? They are only temporary. Okay? They are only temporary. And all these things that we go through, it's just one more thing that Satan is throwing our way to do everything he can to get us away from God. And I don't know about you, but that's a battle that we face every day, isn't it? And as parents, man, it scares us to death for our kids, doesn't it? I talk to mom and dad week after week about this concern. We're so concerned for our kids. And more than ever, we want to know that our kids are going to be safe. That our kids are being watched after. It's a battle. It's a choice that you and I have to make every day of life. Am I going to live on the Lord's side? Sometimes not being able to see everything. Sometimes not being able to, to know all the answers. Am I going to have a faith that's strong enough that says, this is where I'm going to land? Or am I going to give in to things that I see? Church, let's face it. A lot of things we see are not good. A lot of things we see in front of us are not from God. They're not. And sometimes as Christians, we, we walk that tightrope. We walk that line, and I'm afraid we're almost to a point to where sometimes we really don't know the difference. There's a battle going on. Mark chapter 1, verse 14. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Or in other gospel stories we read, the, God, the kingdom of God is at hand. Okay? Mark says the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. And then a few verses down, here's what he begins to start doing in verse 21. They went out to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and he began to teach. And the people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as teachers of the law. Again, it's a teaching that they had never heard before, and it's being taught in a way that they had never understood. And so just then a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The evil spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, what is this? A new teaching and with authority? And he even gives orders to evil spirits and they obey him. 
News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. You see, as, as we see that story demonstrated for us, here's what happens. Before this time, you could walk through Capernaum, you could walk through the streets of Galilee, and you could see people possessed by evil spirits. And you know what? No one could do anything about it. No one could help them. And so when that demon says in verse 23, I know who you are, the Holy One of God, he was the only one who really understood it right. And then I love the next question that he asks. He says, have you come to destroy us? You see, the demon knew the answer. While everybody else is kind of watching, that demon knew this man is different than all others. He has a power about him like we have never seen before. You see, Jesus came, as 1 John chapter 3, verse 8 says, to destroy the works of the enemy. Think about that. When he does that, you know what? He is sending a message that he is on our side. He's sending a message when he says, I'm going to destroy all these things that Satan is doing. Man, he sends a message that I'm for you. Every time we assemble together and open up the Word of God, we need to hear a truth like that, don't we, church? That God is for me. Because we live in a world today where we get beat up and we get beat down and we get pressed down and pressed all around, sometimes where our faith is shaking so much that we don't know what in the world we believe anymore about anything. But believe this. The God who created us is for us. Think about that. The God who created me is for me. He's on my side. And so in all that Jesus said and did, he's making an outright declaration of war against the kingdom of darkness. Church, remember... We may be living in the kingdom of God, but understand this, the kingdom of darkness is here all around us as well. And all those passages in the scripture about be light and be salt, man, it's one thing to read it. It's actually another thing to go out there and do that. Be the light. Be the salt of the earth. Be that city that's set up on a hill that when people see you, they see a light. They see that you're totally different than everybody else that they can see. And so I want to take us back for a few moments, and you can turn there if you want to, or you can just kind of listen as I uh, kind of briefly tell the story. I want to go back to the first few chapters of the Bible. Genesis 1, 2, and 3. And here's what happens. You see a couple of things. Number one, you see a good and a wonderful creation. Okay? You see the entrance of a superhuman rebellious being. And then you see that mankind gets caught up in this rebellion. 
And so in Genesis 1 and 2, we see God creating the heavens and the earth. And the word used in Genesis 2 for create is that word called bara, which speaks of God's power to create upon a mere thought. He has a thought and it's created. And so the imagery is of God speaking the waters and the stars and all the wildlife and all those cool things there at the very beginning into existence from his heavenly throne. And if you remember from the creation story of each thing that God creates, what is it that he says? God saw that it was good. Okay? But the word for create that's used when God creates Adam is different. The word is yetzar, which means to form or to fashion. And so unlike God creating from his throne in heaven, we now see him intimately engaged like a potter at his will, forming that clay from the beautiful jar. And I mean, when you first start, man, I mean, it's just a lump, isn't it? But as time goes on, and those hands are all over that clay, boy, in the end, what happens? Some of you in here, I know Canel Peace knows what I'm talking about, because she does pottery. Boy, in the end, if you do it right, is that right, Canel? It comes out looking really, really good. But if you take your eye off of it, you get distracted and you mess up, falls apart somewhere along the way, and it's gone. And so here with Adam, God is creating from his throne in heaven. He's intimately engaged. And now, only now does the text say, and God saw that it was very good. Not just good, but very good. And so to Adam and Eve, God gave the authority to rule over the rest of his creation. And he loved them, and he walked in intimacy with them every day. And I want to make a point here. Because from the very beginning of time, we see God screaming this message out to us. And here it is. This is what we were created for. To walk in love, and in friendship with the Master. Think about that. You and I were created every day to walk in a loving relationship with the one who created us. Aren't you grateful for that relationship? Aren't you grateful for that friendship? And yet, even though there are a lot of times, maybe every day, where we mess up and we kind of get out of that friendship and we kind of do things on our own. We do things that's tempted to us. And you know what we're doing? Every time we do that, we are taking a step away from the one who created us and we are giving a little bit of self over to that counterfeit kingdom, Satan. And at that point, we think, you know what? I, there's nothing I can do to deserve to be back in a right relationship with the God that created me. 
You're right. There's nothing you can do. But through his grace and through his love and through his mercy, what does he do? He never, ever stops loving us. He never, ever gives up on the one he created. Isn't that good? And also all those times that we give in to temptation, all those times that Satan throws things our way, he's the enemy. We bite. Hook, line, and sinker. We bite. Only to realize, man, I shouldn't have done that. I knew better than that. And yet God still says, it's okay. Come on back. And that's why in the kingdom, he says it's so important to repent and to believe the good news. Repentance is a key thing there. And I don't know about you, but repentance is not something we do just before we're baptized into Christ. Repentance is something we do every day of my life. We make a decision to change and to live for the one who created us. And so we're created to walk in that love and friendship. And then all of a sudden Satan shows up and this wants this glorious angel but then cast out of heaven because he purposed, as Isaiah 14 says, to raise up a throne above the stars of God. He purposed to make himself like God. So that's what Satan does. He sets up this counterfeit kingdom. And so we see this picture of God's kingdom in Genesis 1, 2, and 3. God is loving king over his treasured creation. We see beauty, we see order, we see intimacy, we see health, and almost immediately after Adam and Eve fell to Satan's temptation, look what we see. Death, a lot of sin, murder, sickness, and you know what happened? They became subjects to Satan's rule, to where Satan could be the authority figure. And that's what happened to Adam and Eve and all their descendants after them because of the fall. The authority of man is removed, and they became the subjects of a new ruler, of a new kingdom, the kingdom of darkness. And you see page after page after page, as we saw in the story, you see God on a mission to come back for his people. You see God on a mission not just to come back for his people, but you see him coming back to redeem those that he created. Wow. That's what we need, isn't it, church? We need redemption. And we have not only a creator, but we have a savior that he promised one day he'll come back and he's going to set everything in order. You see, everything got messed up because of this counterfeit kingdom. There was brokenness, there was abuse, there was shame, there was depression, there was fear, there was all kinds of disease. And here's the bottom line. That is not the kind of world that God created for his people. It's not. There's nothing good 
in all of those things. And yet, from time to time, as Christian people, we all fall prey to that, don't we? We struggle. We have sin in our life. We have depression all around us. We have shame all around us. We have things that we're fearful of. We have disease all around us. And the very one who created us comes back and takes all that away and he makes everything beautiful in its time. He makes everything right. So at just the moment that Satan tries to have a party over here and says, look at what I'm doing and look at what I've got and look at what I'm doing with your people, God comes and says, look what I can do. And he makes it all right again. It's like the story of Humpty Dumpty. When Humpty Dumpty falls, what does he do? Man, he tries to get back up and try to get things going again. That's exactly what happens to us when we fall. But here's the difference. When we try to put it all back together, it's going to mess up. It's going to fall apart. But when we give our life back over in the hands of God, the potter and the clay, guess what? He's going to put it all back together again, and it's going to be beautiful because it's from God. Folks, listen. The only kind of life there is to live is a life with God. He is the only one that can make your life beautiful. That's it. And so all these other little counterfeit kingdoms that we give our lives over to, well, I know for a moment it looks, man, look, this is a pretty good deal. Things are working out pretty good until you fill in the blank and then you begin to realize it doesn't last because it's not from God. It's not real. I love what John writes in Revelation chapter 11. The kingdom of the world, verse 15, has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. Listen to that again. The kingdom of the world has come, the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. And so when Jesus came into this world, he came as God's anointed one to deal that death blow. And when Jesus spoke those words from Isaiah that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach good news to the poor and to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, to give sight to the blind and to release the oppressed, he is letting the kingdom of this world know that the time has come that God is going to take back what has been taken away from him by the enemy. When you're on God's side, whatever is taken away, he can take it back. And believe me, in time, he's going to take it all back and it will be perfect because it's from God. I love what Gordon Fee says. He says, in Christ, God has planted his flag on planet earth And he has declared for all the universe to hear, I declare this to be mine. You see, whatever belongs to God 
Somebody may try to take it away for a moment, but they will never be able to remove it forevermore because it's from God. And when it's from God and his kingdom, what does John say? It will last forever and ever. Praise be to God. Amen. Jesus, wherever he went, demons seemed to manifest. You know why? Because spiritual confrontation with the enemy comes wherever Jesus goes because Jesus has come as a liberator. He has come to set us free. He's come to make it all right. And he wants to come out, he wants us to come out from under the weight of this world. And I know I'm talking to people this morning that are weighed down in life by fear, shame, brokenness, spiritual poverty, anger. And I mean, that list can go on and on whatever you struggle with. Again, that is not the kind of world that God wants you to live in. The kingdom of God is a matter of peace and joy and holiness and walking in His Spirit. And when Jesus rose from the dead and His Spirit was poured out at Pentecost, He gave back to us that same authority that He had once given Adam and Eve. And it is with this same authority that Jesus calls us to go and to proclaim to this world that the kingdom of God is still at hand. You know why? Because the kingdom of God is right here. Wherever you go, God's kingdom goes with you. Isn't that great? And wherever you go, people need to see somebody making a difference. And if God is king, then we have no choice in his kingdom than to subject ourselves to him as Lord and master over everything. And as the church, here's the beautiful part. We are the community of his kingdom. We're his hands, we're his feet, we're his mouthpiece, and it's time we speak. Just like Jesus had a message and he had a ministry, gave it to his disciples, it's passed on to us. We have a message, we have a ministry to continue the good works of Jesus Christ. Where are you this morning? There's a battle going on between God and Satan. Where are you? So often in this life, we try to take the world upon ourselves. You're not strong enough for that, so just give it up, okay? You're not Superman. You're not Wonder Woman. You can't handle the weight that all of that carries. Lay it down. And if you're here this morning and things are weighing you down, that means it's only keeping you closer to God. God's the only one that can remove that. And his blood, Jesus' blood, is the only thing that can cleanse us from that and make it right. 
That's good news. We need to be cleansed. We need to be healed. And Jesus is the one ultimately that can do that. And so if things are weighing you down, and you need to pray about that this morning and just lift it off, we invite you to come down here this morning if that's what you need to do. We already have one that's going to come and confess that he believes that Jesus is the Son of God and he's going to be baptized. And he's going to come up out of this water and the Holy Spirit's going to come upon him as his guide and as his comfort to live with him and to walk with him day after day after day. Aren't you glad that the Spirit is right here with us? We need it. We need more of it. The kingdom of God is here. Let's stand as we sing this morning.